Howdy and welcome to the 10-week Bible study. This is week 10, day 5 of our study of Acts. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and today we're talking about Acts 28, 17-31. Well, welcome back to the 10-week Bible study. Again, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs. Would you join me as we pray before we start today? Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us? God, speak to us and fill our hearts with the knowledge of you today, God. We thank you for this study of Acts, and would you seal up our hearts in your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. With that, let's jump into God's word. I'll be reading today from the NIV. This is Acts 28, starting in verse 17. Three days later, he called the local Jewish leaders. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the custom of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charges, any charge <clears throat> against my own people. For this reason, I've asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I'm bound with this chain. They replied, We have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of our people have come who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you. I want to pause right there. So, so Paul's been in Rome for just a couple of days, and he's like, I want to meet with the Jewish leadership. I want to meet with all the people in the synagogue here. I want to talk to them. Because what Paul understands is, is he's coming before Caesar, and he knows the history of how Caesar has responded to different Jewish issues, right? I mean, at one point, Claudius was so sick of Jewish nonsense in, in his mind, right? In, in, in the mind of a Roman, he thinks all this Jewish stuff is nonsense. I'm sick of it. And so he kicks all the Jews out of Rome for a period of time. and makes it illegal for Jews to live in Rome. And so they've been allowed to come back, obviously, and so Paul is sensitive to this fact. He's thinking this could reflect poorly on my people, the Jews. So he wants to meet with them and say, listen, I didn't ask for this. I'm not here to try and bring trouble on us. And there may be people who have come and told you that, but that's not why I'm here. He's like, I was falsely accused by the Jews in Jerusalem. And so I was, after all this time, I was forced to come here. I'm sure he's filling in more of the details and Luke is just giving us the Reader's Digest version of what Paul said. But he's saying, I am not here to try and bring trouble on us. Please don't see this as me trying to bring trouble on us. And, and I don't want it to happen. I don't know what's going to happen for people as Jews. But that's not my point. And he's, he's telling them that. He's, he's saying, I'm, I'm not here to try and bring trouble on anybody. But I know that it, <clears throat> who knows how that's going to go if I have to stand before Caesar. And the amazing thing that they say is that, no one sent a letter to us and no one who's come from Jerusalem said anything about you, good or bad. And that tells you just how insane this whole thing was, right? It wasn't <clears throat> that they had these massive theological differences with Paul. It's that they just didn't like him and they didn't, they, they didn't like the crowds. They didn't like Christianity at this point. And so many times we've seen this is because of jealousy of the numbers. Everywhere that Paul goes is jealousy of the numbers and jealousy that the word is going to the Gentiles. I'm going to see this makes them angry every single place that Paul goes. And it's going to make them angry again here. Verse 23. 
They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came, um, <clears throat> oh, verse 22, excuse me. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against the sect. Verse 23. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day, and he came in even larger, and they came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning until evening, explaining about the kingdom of God, <clears throat> and from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said to the Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. This people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts in turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. That's the thing that Paul says that sends all of these guys away. Again, over and over and over again, it's, it's this idea that God would save the Gentiles. That God would, would redeem the Gentiles. <clears throat> the Jewish understanding... Right, this is this is definitely a, a, a kind of a racist prejudice here, but the Jewish understanding of the Messiah coming is that he's going to come, he's going to make war with those who oppose Israel, he's going to subjugate all of the nations of the earth under his rulership on the throne in Jerusalem under an Israeli state. And here's the thing. When we survey the Old Testament prophets, when we survey the New Testament, especially the book of Revelation, we see that that is absolutely true. For all eternity, Jesus will sit on a throne in the physical city of Jerusalem as the head of a worldwide government where every single person, nationality, will be under his leadership and his rulership. Under the, the millennial reign, the thousand-year reign of Jesus, every nation on earth will be subjugated under the rule of Jesus as a Jew, <coughs> excuse me, sitting on the throne in Jerusalem. So they're not wrong about that in the end. But their desire to see that come in, their their almost hatred of every other nation and they're, they're, they're almost looking forward more to trying to subjugate people under their authority than they are having the Messiah with them, having God in their presence, having God's presence with them. This is the, the theological problem here. It's having God's presence with them in tangible form is of less importance to them than ruling over their adversaries. That was the important part about all of this to them. None of this stuff is wrong that they believe. It's just not, it wasn't for then. It's coming in the future. Jesus will do all of that. And he will do it with perfect justice. He will be the only judge, the only king, the only ruler in human history who will rule with perfect justice. But he will rule from a throne in Jerusalem, just like they understand. But what was more important to them 
wasn't that the Messiah, that God made flesh, would be with them. Emmanuel. That didn't matter to them. What mattered to them was that they could finally tell other people what to do. And this idea of the Gentiles receiving salvation through all of that into upheaval, through that whole understanding into upheaval. Because the important part about Jesus coming back is that Jesus will be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And how often do we twist these things around, even us today, where we make the important part that we get to be in charge of people. And this idea that the Gentiles would receive salvation without first bowing the knee to becoming a Jew it was too much for them. It was too much for them. And again, I've said this many times, you know, people have made these into kind of anti-Semitic tropes through the centuries. And it's not about them being Jewish. It wasn't because they were Jewish that they had this problem. This is a human nature problem. At one point, you know, the disciples come, like there's these guys over there doing this stuff. You know, they shouldn't be doing that because they're not with us, Jesus. Should we call fire down on them from heaven? And Jesus is like, you don't know what spirit you're of. He said the 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 Greeks, the Gentiles, they have authority over one another and they lord it over one another, right? They use this authority that they have to lord it over other and push people down. He's like, that's not how you should be. This is human nature. What we're seeing displayed here is human nature. Now, it's it's one theological sticking point in the Jewish religion specifically, but it's birthed out of human nature. So we can't, people through the centuries really have used this kind of stuff to say, well, Jews are just the worst people on earth and you know all this kind of stuff. And it's not true. It's just not true. I mean, yes, they're unredeemed here. Yes, they're doing bad things. Yes, they're rejecting God because of this, but they're not rejecting God just because they're Jews. They're rejecting him because of this, this issue in our human nature where we just want our stuff. We want to be in charge of someone else. We want to tell them what to do. And this idea that, that Paul is saying, the theology of this is that, you know, Jesus is coming back for sure. He's going to do that. But for right now, the Lord is actually extending grace and salvation to the Gentiles. That was too much for them. That's too much for them because it it cuts out the part where they get to subjugate and be in charge of the Gentiles. And that was the problem. That was the problem. And, 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 you know, that bit of human nature is still with us today. It resides in every single person. And we have to accept the, the fact that the Lord gives grace to our enemies. He gives grace to those that, that he tells us, you know, pray for those. Who, who spitefully use you. Bless those who curse you. Bless your enemies. Pray for them. That's the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus turns all of this upside down and we're supposed to have grace and mercy and love for those people. But that fights, that wars against our human nature that those who are against us, those are our enemies. We want to see them smitten. We want to see them dead. We want to see them out of our way. And this idea that the gospel has come to the Gentiles for these Jews, it undoes that. How often do we fall into that same trap today? Let's finish out the book of Acts with verse 31. He, that's being Paul, proclaimed the kingdom of God, and or, or verse 30, excuse me, 
For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. We know from some of Paul's letters that this, even this wasn't just a, a walk in the park. There are, um, there are times while he's there in Rome where some of those people with him, uh, they get nervous about persecution and about different things. And so they abandon him. One point Paul, you know, says that, you know, everyone's left me, you know, except for Luke, <laughs> um, you know, everyone's abandoned him there in Rome. And so this is, uh, a blessing that Paul gets to live in his own rented house as opposed to in the jail or in a dungeon. And there's obviously people supplying him with his financial needs to be able to do this. And again, I think that his guard is probably also one of his disciples. So, right, there's 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 amazing things going on, but we also know that this, this is still a, a pain point for Paul because he's still, even though he has leeway and freedom here, he's still under arrest. He's still a prisoner. And, and because of that, there's a stigma that goes with that. Even if you believe that he's innocent, even if you believe he's done nothing wrong, there's still a stigma and people don't want to be around him with that stigma. And so he lives not isolated, but he lives, I think, uh, lonely. I think there's a sadness with Paul because there's so many believers that don't want to associate with him because he is in chains, because he is a prisoner because of what he's going through. He tells us this. <clears throat> so the Lord's going to provide for Paul. The Lord's going to keep Paul safe here. The Lord's going to allow him to see Caesar. And I find it interesting that Luke stops here. Luke is finishing this book here and he doesn't finish the story. Like what happened when he saw Caesar? What happened to Paul? What, what happens in the future? Right? That's the end of the biblical narrative here. So according to the Bible, we don't know what happens to Paul. Now there's, uh, as far as tradition goes, there's a couple of different traditions. We know that uh, Paul did see Caesar and uh, almost certainly the Caesar that he saw was Emperor Nero. And we know that Nero, uh, I think to put it bluntly in, in some people's, most people's opinion, Nero was a dumpster fire of an emperor. Um you know, we know that when Rome, there was a fire that broke out that burned like five-sevenths of Rome, essentially a big, big chunk of Rome. And uh, the old saying, you know, is that uh, Nero played the fiddle while Rome burned, basically didn't try to do anything. There wasn't anything that anyone could really do. They didn't really have the infrastructure to try and put out a fire that massive. And so there wasn't really anything that could be done, but essentially Nero, uh, there's, there's some public works issues that Nero had undone that made the fire easier to happen and that made it spread faster. People have said, you know, that he cut budget for like firefighting and things like that and different things. And so they, they blamed Nero for the fires. And we know historically that Nero blamed the Christians and actually had them all rounded up and, uh, and, and, some, a lot of them burned, a bunch of them crucified in public. We know uh, from, from history that Paul and Peter, Peter was at, at one point the uh, pastor, the bishop of the Church of Rome. He had moved there. 
And so they were both crucified. And the story goes that Peter refused to be crucified like Jesus had been crucified. So he requested they crucify him upside down. And so uh, apparently they obliged him and they crucified Peter upside down. Now, when that happened is up for debate. Some people say, and this is... I tend to believe this, but again, it's, it's, it's extra biblical and it's not clear. Some people, some scholars say that Paul stood before Nero and Nero is like, this is nonsense. Get out of here. You're free. Like this is, it's crazy. You're, you didn't do anything deserving death or anything. You're free. Go. Right. And so Paul set free. Paul testifies before Caesar preaches the gospel to him, I'm sure, and is set free. And then Paul goes to Spain as he's written about that he, he wanted to do after Rome. And so Paul goes and preaches in Spain for a period of time, short period of time, and then comes back to Rome on his way back to Jerusalem and happens to come back to Rome at the time period when Rome burns and he's rounded up with all the Christians and is crucified with Peter and all the Christians. And in, in this case, Nero actually used Christians uh, because so much of the infrastructure was gone, street lamps and things like that were gone. He would actually, he put up posts and he would hang Christians, douse them in, in some kind of fuel, hang Christians from these posts and set them on fire alive so that the Christians became the street lamps. The, the different uh, ancient writers said that he lit the, the streets of Rome by burning Christians on these lamps despotic, horrible, horrible moment for Rome. Um, and so some people say that Paul actually was freed, went to Spain after that, came back and happened to come back during that time period and was put to death during that kind of purge of Christians, like literal put them to death purge of Christians in Rome. Other scholars say, no, Caesar Nero, Emperor Nero found him guilty of whatever and put him to death right then. I find that unlikely. Uh, even as crazy as Nero was, I find that very unlikely. I find the history, the historical accounts and, and the traditions that say that Paul actually did go to Spain and witness there and then came back and died in that mass crucifixion, in that mass genocide of Christians. I find that more likely. But again, these are all extra biblical accounts. We don't know any of that for certain. What we know is that Luke leaves us hanging here because this is when he finishes his book. And with that, we've come to the end of our study of the book of Acts. I have so enjoyed going through this book with you. I hope that you've been blessed by this study. Seeing the, the acts of the Holy Spirit and the acts of the apostles in the early church. I hope you've learned a lot. I hope you've grown closer to the Lord. And I hope that this has been a time period where you have seen that if you're new to this study, that reading the book of Acts 10 times in 10 weeks has really transformed how you encounter God's word. If you're not new to this study, I hope that, that you've been encouraged and, and I hope that all of you will, uh, moving forward, take it to heart to read or listen to, have it read to you, whatever book we go through 10 times in 10 weeks. Next up, we're going to be looking at the book of 2 Corinthians. We'll probably take a week off after the study of Acts, and we'll be back into 2 Corinthians in just a little over a week for those of you that are following along with us live. For the 10-week Bible study, I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you on the next study.
Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-Week Bible Study Podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's Word. Thank you.